GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Hey, welcome friends and fans to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to Duckworld through the dimensional nexus with one of its inhabitants to a world he never made, with three fantastic guests from the Howard the Duck film. So without further ado, let us hatch this egg and see who we find. Our first guest is an actor and puppeteer whose body of work includes The Dark Crystal, Return to Oz, and several Star Wars installments. Today, he joins us as the puppeteer performer of Howard the Duck himself. Please welcome back our friend, Tim Rose. Well, that sounds very impressive, the way you say it. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I could have gone in more. I could have gone into Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but I could have got all this stuff. We've talked about that before, but hey, Tim, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good as it can be expected under these conditions that we're in right now. So. Mm, yes, indeed. You're sporting that uh, that romantic beard there, and, <laughs> and you got you got the poster behind you. Excellent. So uh, you're off in the UK. Uh, how are things over there for you? Oh, pretty good. We finally had uh, springtime come <laughs> in the last two days. Yeah. It was below freezing up to that point, so um, everything's right. looking up. Outstanding. Tim, always love hosting you. So glad to have you back. And especially if we get a chance to spend a lot of time talking about this very, very interesting film. Yes. <laughs> and I'm you... the proudest of, actually. So. And, well, we'll have a lot to talk about that. But let's bring out the rest of our guests. He is an actor and stunt performer whose credits include Land of the Lost, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and Child's Play. Today, he joins us as the soup performer of Howard. Please welcome Ed Gale. Good morning. Hey, Tim. How are you? Hey, Ed. Long time. I know. I'm sorry I hadn't stayed in touch better than I have, but... Uh... Aw. Glad to see you doing well. I've got this bright light in my eyes, so I can't see you, but <laughs> I see you. I cut off my beard. I just had a, a matching beard. <laughs> Identical. Oh. Identical. Same color, too. We could have been twins. <laughs> well, I'll show you the picture later. Um... You have to tell me where you bought your light, because I could use some light. I've got a bit of shadowing on one side here. So. Oh, I'll take a picture. It's a little ten-dollar uh, circle light. Yeah, the circle light. The lights, I, I, yeah. And my yeah. camera fits in the middle of the light, so I'm surrounded by light. Yepper. So, Ed, how are you? I'm fine. I resent that terminology that I'm the suit performer. Um, I played Howard the Duck. The movie was called Howard the Duck. Because in all my other credits, you don't list robotic suit with Bill and Ted, which was Fair. a suit. So I'm an actor, and I played Howard in Howard the Duck. I played Chucky in Child's Play. I wasn't you did. a stunt double. I do my own stunts, but I'm not a stunt performer per se. But if it adds credits to my list, I'll put them on. I only use I only use designation to separate your contribution to Howard from from Tim Rose for our conversation, and I did not mean to infer it because yes, you are the the actor within Howard the Duck, absolutely. Right. And it was only Howard the Duck was made up of two components: myself and Tim Rose. Uh, Tim Rose was the lead puppeteer on the technical side. He was also the onset voice of Howard, so people like Leah and others could hear because yes. if I if I'm called all you could hear was you you know because I'm in a costume and it would be hard I could do it now with my years of experience but with Howard being my first 
you know, I wouldn't have been able to do the dialogue even if they put a mic in, you know, because I'm over here trying to see everything and I can only see out of the mouth. And only once in a while would Tim forget to open the mouth. <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> and then Tim, Tim is like talking and doing whatever. He's like, oh, shit, hang on. Yes, now I can see. Well, it was. It, it, it remains today a fantastic collaboration between the both of you. And speaking of which, let's bring out your co-star. She is an actress, director, and producer whose body of work includes Caroline in the City, the Jane Doe films, and Space Camp. Today, she joins us to discuss the role of 80s rock musician Beverly Switzler. Please welcome back Leah Thompson. Hey! <laughs> there she is. More adventure than humanly possible. Remember that Look at this. I've got the 80s uh, sweatshirt and I cut the neck out so it could be like, you know, you know, so I could wear it off one shoulder and all that. So, I tried to dig that, out that my crew jacket marriage. and I couldn't find where I put it. So it's here um, in the house, but I can't find it. <laughs> I, I took a picture with the crew jacket and um, they, they put it on the cover of the Howard the Duck comic book. The oh. new kind of Howard the Duck comic book. I saw that. Mm -hmm. That was really fun. That's really fun. Uh, I, follow, I follow your career more than you think I do, honey. Nice to see you, darling. What was my nickname? What did you call me throughout the whole shoot? I don't remember anything. I don't Not that one. That's the upward. The other one. <laughs> you tell me. I can't remember anything. I literally can't remember anything. You remember, Tim? <laughs> was it Ducky? Man duck. Mad duck? Yeah, man because duck. Jordan was younger and and she would say, Ah, oh, my man duck. Oh man duck, yeah. <laughs> you were amazing. That was very painful, that whole I know it was very painful for you, but I'm super glad that it's caused so much joy for so many people for so long. You know, yeah, la la laying in bed with you almost killed me. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Well, they, they have a word for it now. The reason you can't remember anything from that is it's called PTSD now. It's post-traumatic stress syndrome. <laughs> and what we all went through on that movie definitely caused that for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, do you, my. Do you realize I walked around like this? Uh, <laughs> the two fingers? Oh, right. For, for a year. Oh, yeah. From the, yeah. Oh, my. I walked around like that for a year when I was in, you know, relaxed mode. I woke up and, in the middle of the night going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Yeah, right. <laughs> not, not more M&Ms, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Leah, it's been so long since I've seen you, what, uh, 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 20 hours? Uh, <laughs> so anyway, thank, and, uh, thank you for joining us again today for this. Uh, Tim, welcome back, and thanks for joining us here to talk about Howard the Duck. Uh, this is... It's a remarkable film. It's kind of an important film, I feel, in the evolution of comic books and the translation to uh, media. Uh, as a fan of the original comic and a fan of the film, I, I thank you all for your contributions to it. And I think it's fair to say that it took a while, but the film definitely found its audience. And uh, but what I would like to do is, I'm, so many other in our chat room right now, they're typing their questions for us. In the meantime, I'd like to throw this out. How did, how did Howard the Duck begin for each of you? When did uh, the opportunity for this gig present itself? A, a series of horrible events. Um, <laughs> no, um, 
uh, just for me, most of the big studios, whenever they wanted a specific, you know, nine foot woman or, you know, just the oddities, so to speak. <laughs> really? Thank you, Leah. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> No, I'm sorry. Hang on a minute. <laughs> that T-shirt has been in the closet for a while, has it? I know. <laughs> okay, now I'm ready. Um, and they would always contact Billy Barty, who's no longer with us, and he founded Midgets of America before mm -hmm. that word became horrible, and then it became Little People of America, and he con they contacted him and said, "Look, we need a little person." You know, no taller than this, no mother than this. And Billy gave him about five names, and one was mine. And I had just met him within probably less than a week. And he gave him my name, and they wanted to know if I wanted to come in for a screen test. I said, no. Of course. I want to, you know, and it's playing a duck. And they're talking to me like an experienced actor. And I'm mm. like, yeah, uh-huh, mm, yeah, all right. I was working at a sales lot, and I had a manager. And they said, do you have an agent or a manager? And I'm like, I have a manager. She's the general, man She's the general manager of the store. But anyway, <laughs> honey, she picked up that phone. And hello, you know, just like, oh, yes, we've been representing uh, Mr. Gale now for the past. Jesus Christ. She, she did improv better than you and me, Leah. And... <laughs> She was my manager 45 seconds. I was in the business 45 seconds before her. So, yeah. I, I handed her the phone. <laughs> she hung up the phone. She went to Samuel French. You know, how to be a manager, how to be an agent, how to be an actor. You know, just in wow. So you told me that when I first met you that you had been a Winnebago salesman. Motorhomes, not Winnebago's, but yeah. RV. Oh, motorhomes. Oh, wow. So what he said was that. Well, yeah, that's. Um, he would use his hype to his advantage because he would go on to the motorhome before the clients, and then he'd run down to the back of it and say, look how big this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leo, I've always, uh, I've always remembered like, that. Uh, Correct, uh, Leo. They wouldn't give me a motorhome. You know, they wanted me to have a honeywack. Uh, Gloria hated me. Willard <laughs> loved me because I could keep up with him. And... Hmm. Um, I couldn't get a motorhome, and the owner of the company said, screw it, we'll send you one up. And they set me up a 40-footer, where I think everybody else had 30, 35. Yeah. And it's well, we had to share we didn't get our own. <laughs> you know, I think you, you, you sat in the motorhome with me, didn't you, Tim? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it had like two bedrooms, you know, and... Television, microwave? Oh, yeah, we had, yeah. So it was... Yeah. Now, the, the motorhome I was staying in, just last month before I left my husband. And um, that's a four, two bathroom, four bedroom with five, with five televisions and Whoa. a fireplace and a wash and a dryer. Well, while you're bragging, I'm going to talk about how I got home. I got to know this. I've never known, I've never known how they convinced you to do this. So I was, uh, I was, I had done Back to the Future and space camp and then uh it just seemed like the greatest part to play a, a rock star so i remember i was in huntsville alabama trying to buy uh you know like rosaries and stuff so i could look like a rock star like uh 
for my audition. So uh, I, I did myself all up like Cindy Lauper and I went to Gloria Miller's house. And I remember how delighted they were that I had dressed up. Mm. So then I somehow got the part. I think it was a very short road for people. I was, I'd starred in, in a universal film. Yeah, yeah. And how did any of us get the part? You know, I was like, wow. And and then and then uh, then came the hair crimping. Yes, that took yeah. like an hour every single day. It was horrible. I remember. Uh, by the end of that six months, our hair and makeup people did not talk to each other. There was a sheet between them, and we hated each other. <laughs> Too much time. Too much time crimping my hair. <laughs> And those things were like those things were like presses, and you know, there's no easy way to do it. It would like steam. Yeah. I don't know. How, I, that's why my hair is like it got. It had to get very strong to survive. Never <laughs> like, <laughs> did. So, and right. Jim, how this begin for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in pre-production, they'd been working on the duck for about seven months, and they didn't have a duck that worked. Mm. So George Lucas came over to Phil Tippett and he said, Phil, what can we do about this, man? You know, we're almost ready to film and we still don't have a duck to film on. So he said, oh, well, what you need? You need somebody like that guy that came over and did Akbar for us. So who is that? Uh, uh, Tim Rose. Well, where is he? Well, he's in England. Well, get him over here. <laughs> so I got this call asking him to want me to come back out. And... Uh, I wasn't overly excited about doing it at the time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I finally agreed to do it, and I brought along my Polish friend, Tad Shinovsky, who is one of the best animatronics guys I'd ever worked with. And what's always amazed me about Howard the Duck was that effectively, Howard is the leading man of the show. Mm -hmm. Now, if the leading man had been a man, the first day of shooting would have never been put down in stone until that leading man was signed, sealed, and delivered. But because it was a puppet, everything just kept moving with the assumption that he was just going to be there on the first day of shooting. Mm. So that uh, month that we had to actually look and see what had been done and then tear it all apart and put it back together again was a very intense month indeed. To go straight uh, into the intensity of filming, so yeah, God was I having fun. <laughs> no, I'm working with this guy right now uh, who has an amazing collection of uh, this cool stuff, and he has the the whole head, but all the all the plastic's gone. Mm. So uh, he's got the animatronic yeah. head now with the duck. I, I was like, wow, where the heck did you get that? And I and that's when I really realized, you know, how in a way, how horrible it was for you, Ed. It was difficult just for you to be inside of that crazy thing. It was hot and freezing. Yeah. It's like putting your head inside of a birdcage full of budgies because all the servos are continually oh, wow. making noise. You have to oh, yeah. blank that out of your mind and try and hear what the director's saying in that ear and trying to hear what I'm saying in the other ear. So oh. it, it can make you go completely. So, so with all these, all these incredible technical challenges on top of the normal challenges that come with making a regular film, for each of you, what was the craziest day on the set that you can recall? Oh, the list is long. Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, had, no. 
I don't know what to do with that crazy ultralight chase. That must have been. I don't know how you guys did that. I was sitting in my hotel room. <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say the craziest was, I, and I can't say specific, you know, scene or specific location, because sure. I don't remember. Um, Tim, do you remember what we were doing? We were near a naval base, and Howard's mm. base would just go gaga every time a jet would communicate with the ship. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Uh, you know, coming in for landing, and Howard would be in the middle of a scene with Leah, or uh, Jeffrey, or Tim, or whomever, and you know, Howard's supposed to, you know, look in at at Beverly and go, Beverly, listen, or yeah, whatever, you know, and that's like. Beverly. <laughs> yeah. And Tim is in there like, what? And it was all my fault because I was doing it. Well, I wasn't doing it. The RF. No, but even, even I yeah. could hear Tim in my ear going, what the hell? You know, and then someone said, interference is like, let's shoot on a naval base oh, with yeah. remote control costumes. <laughs> it's like the gag in Spinal Tap when the, his guitar picks up the military signals because they're a military base. The same. I think, but for real, I, that's, yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, all that, all, all that radio is, I, yeah, I can totally see it. Wow. And the one, oh, the one eye popped open, you know, really big, and it ripped, <laughs> and it ripped the, we went through like 19 totally different phone. heads. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Leo, Leo was talking about the microlight sequence. The story that I always tell about that was, during that flight along, they had the police cars chasing the microlight. Oh, God. And they were getting flipped over. So there's no CG. We've only got the one set of cars. So this shot had to be done on the first take. And I've always been amazed with ADs. You know, they got a walkie-talkie on their side. So they say something to the public, and the public just goes, oh, yes, sir, okay, you know, I'll just stand here. Well, we uh, got the thing to shut down the road because we were getting ready to turn over cameras. And all of a sudden, we heard the guy up at the other end, the AD up at the other end, go, oh, there's one more truck coming through before it shut down. One more truck coming through, you know. Then we saw this truck come hammering down the road. And we found out afterwards that he'd stepped out into the road to stop this truck. And this guy in the truck said, what the hell's going on? He said, oh, I'm sorry, you just have to wait here for 20, 30 minutes while we shoot this scene, and then we'll open the road and let you through. Well, the guy reaches up into the back window of his truck, pulls out a double barrel shotgun, sticks it out the window and says, son, my bed's at the other end of that road and I've been working all night now. Get the hell out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and we heard one more truck coming through, one more truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if you were there. Leah, you know, we had your stunt double. I don't know if we had a voice with Tim and stuff because I was in the in between you and Jeffrey. And that's when he's just starting to, to turn. And um, a station wagon just blew through the policeman. And she said, I've got to go home. Another excuse. She didn't have a gun. She had a car. And we hit head on. You hit her? And she jumped out and said, it's all my fault. The policeman told me to stop and I didn't. And George Lucas's lawyers are like, keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking. So, oh my goodness! That was a crazy one, but yeah. I was 
I was in such a suit that I just absorbed everything and it just broke I, the beak and broke this. And uh, I think wow. she's still paying off. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that's what saves you because you can't really see what's going on outside, so you don't get scared about it. So you relax, which is the best thing you can do in an oh, accident. Yeah. Is stay relaxed. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Jeffrey did it where, you know, because he was, you know, recognizable and whatnot. And you and I were just extras, Leah, for that particular shot. You know, it was supposed to be, you know, close up on, on, on Jeffrey and then just take this out. And then, you know, and he sees the car, he thinks it's a stunt car. And and the driver of the truck knew what, of our, what the hell, SUV back then? And, um, you know, he's supposed to dodge to that car, dodge to that car skip the next car, you know what I mean, go up, do everything. He did everything by the numbers, and that lady didn't. <laughs> mm. And he, he assumed she was. You know, that, that car knows what it's doing, you know. and It's going to move out of the way. Yeah, it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, Leah, just uh, can't, can't recall any, uh, any wacky days on the set? Uh... You know, uh, I... I, it was fun to do all the rock stuff. I really, uh, you know, singing all the singing was really fun for me. And that was your voice in yeah. those songs. Oh, yeah. They were never sure whether they were going to let They, they kind of held that over my head till the very end. They, they always thought they would probably be voicing me. So I was, I was really thankful um, that they let me do the singing. I learned how to be a better singer later in my career, but... It was it was certainly fun. Those songs, Thomas Colby worked really hard with us, the band. And, uh, and you still have the guitars, I understand it. I do. I still have the Les Paul. Awesome. And I, and I, you know, it was so sweet. One day, I mean, God rest rest in peace. But um, Eddie Van Halen, his son was dating my daughter in second grade. So <laughs> I remember he came over here and he was like, "Do you have a guitar?" brought that out and he was like scandalized that the strings were rusty. I'm, not, I'm still embarrassed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gracious. Uh, and real quick, Tim, I love this story. Our audience may not know it. Tell us about the day Robin Williams came by. Um, a lot of your audience is under 18. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. We're a general audience. <laughs> you want to say if you want to sanitize it a little bit. Well, I think I better. Okay. <laughs> it's best when I don't sanitize it because it... Okay. We were shooting the scene where Leah and Ed were sort of up in her loft and things were getting kind of amorous. And I'm off the side of the set working at the console, working off a monitor. And around the corner comes Robin Williams. And he's being shown the set and what's going on. So I turn to him and I say, well, Mr. Williams, sit down and have a go at the puppet controls, because if you can puppeteer as well, I can go back to England and marry my pregnant fiance. <laughs> so it, it's true. She, anyway, <laughs> so he sits down at the controls. The sound guy sees him sitting there and he goes, oh, it's Robin Williams. He's going to say something funny, you know, so he cranks up the volume on the microphone. And then Robin begins to do a voice for the duck that was very similar to the voice that I had been doing for the duck. And Willard out on set screamed out, Rose, you bleep and bleep bleep, how many times have I told you not to talk over that microphone when I'm out here directing? 
And the first AD ran up to him and said, uh, that's not Tim Rose, that's Robin Williams. And quick as that, he goes, Robin, love what you're doing. <laughs> well, Mr. Williams turned to me and he said, is that the way things are around here? And I said, well, to be honest with you, he's in a pretty good mood today. <laughs> he yeah. said, well, thank you very much. That was very educational. And he proceeds to get up and he walked off set and he also walked off the movie. He didn't do the movie. So we got to fast forward 15 years now. I'm doing a Saturday morning kids program over in England doing this little character called Balger. And I get sent up to London to interview Robin Williams for Mrs. Doubtfire. So I get there and they say, right, you've got 15 minutes with Mr. Williams. If you don't get what you need filmed in that 15 minutes, we pull the video out and you go anyway. And you have to deal with whatever you got left. So, you know, the pressure's on. I've got my 15 minutes. i got to get my footage to take back to the show. I walk into the hotel room and I go, Mr. Williams, I know you don't remember. And I only got that far. And he looked me straight in the eye and said, Rose, you bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> and I said, I always wondered if that had anything to do with you not doing the movie. And he said, oh, you better believe it. Life's too short to spend your time working with bleepity bleeps like that. So, oh, you never heard that story, Leah. <laughs> no. But the, I, I, that's, a, that's amazing. The, the memory, that, that was five minutes of his life, 15 years later, and he remembered that. So he, that man had a brain like I wish I had. Anyway. So my character then threw the script out the window and looked up at him and he said, I've only got one question. And he said, yeah, what's that? And he said, oh, Captain, my Captain, could you just say good morning, Vietnam, just once? And of course, he'd been talking doubtfire for the last eight hours and 15 minute segments. So he turns to the sound guys and says, sound guys ready? And they were all, because we all wanted to be in the room when he said it. You know? He just rolled back and Good morning, Vietnam! <laughs> and I thought I was going to take the video back and get fired off of yet another production, but they liked that one, so. There you go. That's a lovely story, Jim. Uh, oh, I, I never get tired of that one. Thank you so much. And we we are going to go to our audience questions, so let's go ahead and roll our first one. And this one comes from Mike, and Mike wants to know, what is the most interesting Howard the Duck item a fan has had you sign? Hmm. Okay, Ed. <laughs> um, had asked me to, but I wouldn't, would be um, ob obviously a, a, a baby. I wouldn't sign their baby. And um, I think the reason I didn't was I could just think of the, the amount of poison in that ink, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And a tiny body. Yeah. Uh, you know, a big guy like Tim, I hadn't done a favor for him, and signed his arm because but when she said please sign my baby and this is like a non-walking baby yet it's tiny and they said can you do it in a certain area so we can have it tattooed and i'm like uh no no and then she was like okay well how about flip him over how about on his bum no and how about on his hip so i just kind of raised up a hand this camera there we go I just raised up my hand for security, you know, just kind of like, and, you know, when he heard her say that, then he had justification to get her out, not me, you know, mm. you can't, you can't just listen to me, just, you know, he listened to me. he goes, okay, ma'am, we have to go now, 
I've, I've, signed pe- I've signed people, grown-up people, and had them have tattoos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's a normal thing. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think I've signed some, uh, vi- some of the actual vintage, uh, you know, stuff that, you know, they sold so many cards and stuff. Yeah. Laser, I signed a laser disc. Oh, wow. Yeah, Leah doesn't remember. Uh, they came out before that. But um, <laughs> they were big discs, Leah. No, I, I, my first job was a laser disc job. Really? Mm-hmm. Murder anyone. Well, so was mine. How was the duck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, laser discs. I still have a couple in storage. <laughs> my, my ex husband has it on had it on beta laser disc i mean he just he was in love with howard the deck when he was a child oh. and in the philippines believe it or not they get technology before we do because um, it's made over there mm-hmm. so tim what was the what's been the uh uh most unusual or interesting uh, howard the duck item well, I can't compete with that on that one. Right. I, 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 was, I was doing a uh, convention in Sweden, and the promoter came up to the table, and he said, where are you? How are the duck pictures? And I said, why? Nobody remembers that film. He said, are you joking? In Sweden, it was bigger than Star Wars. <laughs> Turns out the Swedes love Howard the Duck. So he ran and got me a load of photographs and put them on the table. And sure enough, the photographs all went flying back off the table. They, they didn't care about Akbar. They wanted Howard, you know. And then one of them, they came up to me and they said, um, I see an IMDB that you work for to Bulpitz. And I said, yes, yes. They said, uh, please, could you explain what makes the Swedish chef so funny? And I just went, I, I think it's time for my tea break now. I just have to. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, yeah. How how do you even begin with? That? <laughs> I know it's so on PC now, but you know when Jim was doing it, we were having, just having fun. We weren't being derogatory to anybody. We yeah, were yeah. Just having fun. I mean, if it was if something it was an we're not allowed to do anymore. It's an American chef in Sweden who would be like, yeah, dude, dude, yeah, yeah, dude, all right, yeah, dude, all right. Put barbecue sauce on it, that'll make it better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fry it up and barbecue. That's right. Burn uh, it on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, well, Mike, thank you. Great question to start us off with. And let's go ahead and roll another one. And this comes from Matthew. If you woke up tomorrow on Howard's planet of Duck World, how would you spend the day? Hmm. Wow. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd stop taking the drugs that I took the night before. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Leah? Well, <clears throat> Duck World seemed pretty colorful. Uh, <clears throat> and kind of like 80s. Let's see. How would I do that? Well, since I loved Howard, I would just like to see his favorite places. Where Howard's favorite places were in Duckville. It in the in the comics, that does happen. Howard goes back to Duck World and Beverly goes with him, so it's Beverly that's treated as the big giant hairless ape creature and <laughs> they go on the equivalent of the Johnny uh, the Johnny Duckson show, which is the Johnny Carson show. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there, he's there. <laughs> yeah, and it's a big 
national cause celebra and yeah. When, when, um, when, what run was that? Is that an old run? That, that was in the black and white uh, Howard the Duck magazine from the, uh, uh, it was after the comic, the color comic just continued. They had about six issues of the black and white uh, magazine, uh, art by uh, 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 Mike Golden. And um, it's, it's really fun. It's, it's a really fun story, especially since things just really turned south. And Howard's like, you know what? I thought, no matter where you go, people are ducks. Everybody's a jerk. I'm out of here. Because, again, in the comics, Howard was a very acidic, very... Steve Gerber wrote it as a very... It was basically his blog about calling it hypocrisy and society and everything else. And, yeah, it's... it's They're they're, they're very different animals, the movie and, and the comics. I adore them both. But, yeah, it was a much harder, saltier character in the comics than what uh, was done in the films. Well, I was, you know, because it was the first Marvel movie year, and that's generally what it's considered the first Marvel movie. Yeah. I went to pitch another Howard the Duck at, the, at Marvel, um, and uh, with the, the, the people who did that run. And, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that was the thing. I was trying to bridge the two fandoms, you know. Yeah. They should be bridged. I know there's there's definitely a possibility there. Yeah, check out the the Howard the Duck the magazine. It was about six issues. Uh, track them down. Uh, if you can't, talk to me after this, and uh, I'll help you with that. Thanks. Yeah, get your <laughs> checkbook, Leah. <laughs> the Marvel. I was at a convention and Stan Lee was there, and all the fans said, "Have you talked to Stan yet?" And I said, "No. Why should I do that?" He said, "Oh, Howard the Duck. He was the first Marvel character to be made into a movie. You know." Well, so oh, never, he, he hated he hated Howard the Duck, didn't he? Well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I get back <laughs> to the hotel. The elevator doors are closing. You know how long you can wait there when it, it's a convention weekend, you know? It'll be 40 minutes before the elevator makes it back down again. So I dove through the doors, and I find myself in the elevator with Stan Lee. Now, the only thing I could think of to say is we're standing there alone with each other. Is, oh, hello, Mr. Lee. I'm Tim Rose. I, I helped to create the Howard the Duck movie and everything. Well, he looked at me with a stony silence, and it was only when I finally read his biography. He was out in California trying to get his Marvel characters into the movie, yeah. and because of Howard the Duck, they didn't do another Marvel one for another 10 years. So yeah. <laughs> it was because of us. <laughs> they right. had to wait another 10 years. So to say <clears throat> I was persona non grata in the elevator. <laughs> <sighs> When, when everything with him too, he was like, "I hated that movie." I was like, "Oh, well, sorry." <laughs> that's and that's rare, Stan, to say anything because he was such the salesman. Oh, Howard the Duck! Oh, it's great! It's wonderful! Glad you enjoyed it. But I guess behind and that, sorry, but he was like, <laughs> behind the elevator doors, he was <laughs> yeah. He was always <laughs> even when Steve Garber pitched Howard the Duck at the second episode, Stan said, "Pull it," and and Steve Garber. Garber, Gerber, Gerber made it Gerber. made a deal, and basically, Stan handed him, you know, Howard the Duck, and then, um, then when I guess when it gained popularity, of course, you know, oh yeah, I like it now, it's a good thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, Stan hated Howard the Duck. He had no desires to meet me when mm. at a convention, and so I never got a chance to meet him, and I, I won't speak ill of him because. He didn't tell me, no, I don't want to meet you. He told someone else who told someone else, and hmm. I didn't get to meet him. 
But if he would have looked at me, you know, and said, get out of my face, you know, you, you played the worst, well, whatever. Then I would carry that into all of my dialogue. Because if you hate me in person, you're, you're, du you're done. No, you're done. I will tell everything about you, your ex-wife, your third wife, I'll tell everything. And your, your two dogs, one that you stole, you know, I'll tell everything. <laughs> but if you only, if you only, like, by rumor, oh, I've worked with Leah, oh, God, never. And so when I get a chance to work with, when I get a chance to work with Leah, just because Tim Rose said she's hard to work with, I, hey, have, hey, to, hey, hey. I have to have a hard time with her, you know? And I, I just say, look, I, I worked with her, and she was great. You know, she was You know, it's he was always nice to me, but he was just like, I didn't like that movie. So, and you know, P.S. It really wasn't the bomb everybody said it was. It actually made quite a bit of money, which I just found, realized. I just found out it it wasn't like it didn't make anything. You know what I mean? Like it, it still made like twenty or thirty million dollars from freezing out of money. Well, right. what I what I tell people is. The ones who want to, the haters, is um, I cannot make any money off of Howard the Duck unless it makes money. And I still, although it's a dollar twenty or a dollar ninety-two, I still get residuals from Howard the Duck. And you can still see Howard the Duck on it four in the morning and Thanksgiving, and you know mm -hmm. it's 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 a yearly staple. What are they doing? They're, they're doing a new release in like 5K or 9K. Or, 4K. 4K. In June. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. not, so then, then they wouldn't do that if they didn't think somebody was going to be buying it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I don't but, like the way this, they you know, what judge I, what a movie on is, how many millions it makes in the first week. You know, yeah. Howard the Duck was like the Dark Crystal. No, it didn't make its money back in the first year or even the first three years. Well, the no, people are still talking about those movies, whereas the other ones, they may have made twenty million in the first week and only cost yeah. one million to make, but you well, don't remember them. So I, I, I that's watched, not a successful film. <laughs> I watched the industry go from how you know the biggest movie of the summer that was in the seventies, like Star Wars, and then it was like the biggest movie of the month. And now it's like if you don't make the money in three hours, you're nobody. You know, it's like, well, now how much did Howard the Duck make? Nobody cares. It didn't make any money, but, you know, opening weekend, you know, so it's a flop. And I'm like, whatever. Mm, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was a flop, why are you still getting a check? Yeah, exactly. Well, I personally love my Howard the Duck fans because I have a lot of fans from different things. And my Howard the Duck fans are my favorites because... They, you know, they really stuck with us, and they—they're yep. um, very special. I think part of it's because they probably printed a lot of um, cassettes, you know, the VCRs. Yeah. yeah. They thought it was going to be a hit, so then they were probably all on sale. <laughs> Everybody bought them and played them a million times. So, so people, so many fans of mine have like memorized the movie, and it, it, they're my favorite fans. So absolutely, yep. and I certainly count myself as one of them. Matthew, great question, and GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the cast of Howard the Duck. Ah, Tim and Leah, any final words for our audience before we go? Happy day. Happy day. Enjoy Leah. your life and 
if you have an opportunity, just go for it. Absolutely. Leah, real quick. Uh, we got a minute. Uh, tell us a little bit about a total switch show. Oh, a total switch show. Um, I made a, a podcast. It's on audible with my daughter, Zoe and my daughter, Madeline. And it's about two, uh, to a mother's and a daughter who switch bodies. There's a new new play and people are switching bodies. And instead of Freaky Friday, uh, it's just a complete disaster. And it's it's a for, for adults and you can get it on Audible and it's really funny and there's 10 episodes. So there's also really wonderful actors, voice actors uh, that, that are around us. So if you wanna watch a mother and daughter go at it in a funny way, Listen to uh, a total switch. Show. What's it called? A total switch show. A total switch show. Yeah, yeah. A total switch show. Yeah, you're supposed to switch is supposed to be another word that we're not supposed to say. All uh, right. That makes sense. And and before we go, gentlemen, let us uh, pay tribute to this young lady by wishing her a happy birthday tomorrow, I've been told. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I still send you birthday cards every year. I know. You're the best. I am not. I think they go to your publicist. No, I get them. Thank you. And your Christmas cards. <laughs> Leah, would you like to blow out your candle? I'll help you over my end. Whoa. Oh, no. <laughs> another moment of movie magic. <laughs> I <love> that. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Leah, Tim, Ed, I have enjoyed this tremendously. It has been an absolute delight to serve you all today. Once again, thank you for joining us on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us today. And thank you so much for your great questions. Hope to see you all again soon. Until then, bye-bye, everyone. Take care. And remember, smiles are free, so spend them often.